On this episode, we talk to one of Ireland's most talented exports to the West End, Molly Lynch, about her career musical theatre so far, chat about why a rat is different from Ratatouille, and make a big, odd theatre announcement. Yes, this is The Oddcast. To the Oddcast. My name is Kean O'Dowd, and as always, I am joined by my ironic co-hosts, Adam Trundle hmm. and Daniel Ryan. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're... Singing has no place in this show, Adam. The last <laughs> thing we want to refer people to is music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. God forbid people think we have musical notions. Mm. I'm... Alanis Morissette, which which um, reminds me, everybody got our uh, wrapped yes. on Spotify updates in around the last couple of weeks. Was Alanis Morissette on yours, Adam? No, I don't think I have actually listened to Alanis Morissette this year. Um, <laughs> at least not enough times that it's in my top 100. Um, not, not even to listen to Jagged Little Pill? I mean, I guess technically, yeah, but she's not on mm. that album, is she? She only wrote the songs or whatever no just like, her songs no, which doesn't count <laughs> now apparently um yeah. so the version of of you ought to know Adam, adam's yeah. like andrew lloyd Webber, how much did he really do i mean he only wrote the music and fans of me he didn't sing it did he yeah. <laughs> like what's the evidence he better give back all those awards god damn it <laughs> what's the evidence he wrote it how do we give know them all to michael crawford he's the real hero <laughs> Like, how do we know that the performers didn't improvise everything and then he transcribes it? How do we I, know? I guess <laughs> I can't prove it based on the information I have to hand. Yeah. So this is the new. Maybe, maybe you should do down. a little more sleuthing on this point. I would. I would be interested. <laughs> but if Alanis Morissette didn't make it into your top artists of the year, Adam, who did? Yeah, I'll do the top five because it's it's quite a, a, a like a mixed bag, I suppose you would call mm. it. So Frank Sinatra is in number five, no surprise to me. Uh, followed by, <laughs> I should hope none of these are a surprise to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, uh, who is this? Like other, per- there were lots of people who were surprised by their their top artists. They're, All right, like, okay. Maybe I listened to more of them than anyone else. Uh, Post Malone was number four, so that's quite a leap across centuries mm. then lana del rey and fleetwood mac in number two and then my top artist of the year of whom i was in the top 0.5 percent of their listeners is abba nice Th- nah. this is certainly of no surprise to me <laughs> given how much you i've to salivate <laughs> over mamma mia <laughs> was this on your desert island disc was it it was the mamma mia soundtrack was yeah film as well yeah Oh, I don't know if I picked him as well. <laughs> but fuck it, why not? Yeah, you just want to listen to Pierce Brosnan murdering tunes. Oh. for the next twenty years on <laughs> stranded on your desert island. He's having so much fun though, and he's bringing me with him. Like it's hard not. It's so <laughs> taking you on quite the journey, quite the journey. But the strange thing, I, mean, I suppose, maybe not that strange, and maybe less embarrassing, is that mm. in the top one hundred songs of. 2020 i listened to it's all the original abba versions there are no mamma mia cast versions in there oh thank god thank god you're such a purist (laughs) Um, (laughs) what a relief i think only about 10 percent, if even that of the songs on my top 100 are musical theater songs and the bulk of those are from West Side Story when I was trying to frantically learn dances that I, you know, it was a pointless <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> but you had fun while you were doing it. So yeah. what you're saying is you don't really have that much of an interest in musical theatre at all. I mean, I think that we've established this from the outset. <laughs> that is yeah, that is true. You're, you've kind of wound up in this podcast through a series of happenstances <laughs> and accidents and... And it's it's honestly, it's gone on too long now, so you're a fixture. Yeah, you're stuck now. It's kind of like the guy who was brought in uh, to fix the computers in the BBC and ended up as a correspondent oh, yeah. the communication, where he said he was <laughs> IT and they thought he was the tech consultant expert and ended up on camera. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, well, what about you, Dan? I'm sure you have a few more musical theater numbers in your I definitely do. Okay. I mean, my top my top genre was show tunes, shock horror. <laughs> nice. I think the reason behind that, I mean, obviously I do like them, but I also think <laughs> it's because like I don't I don't tend to listen to many albums or artists. Like I'll usually go and I'll put on like UK top 40 or global mm. top hits like you know and it'll just bring me all over the world. So the yeah. only kind of like albums or artists I'll sit down and listen to are show ones. Like so sure, I actually listen sure. to a soundtrack from a show. So like that's not a surprise there. And but it's funny <laughs> when you were talking about it, it shouldn't be a surprise who your top artists were for 2020. Mine was <laughs> a real surprise to me. Yeah, so so mine was Glee, okay? So mine was Glee. <laughs> but there is, I do have a reason for that. Oh, Jesus. Please, well, I, elucidate well, me. <laughs> Although I, I like the fact that you immediately felt that you had to justify this. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. kind of know, you kind of know yourself. I know it's not a good look, especially in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, your Spotify rap for 2012 would have been absolutely okay to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a habit of doing this to myself that my top artists always been embarrassing. But the reason was that I went back and watched Glee from start to finish earlier this mm. year during lockdown 1.0. And because yes. I never knew how it ended. So I was like, oh, and it was on Netflix. And I was like, I'm determined to see what this became, what happened to it. I, I can tell you in one word how it ended badly oh yeah oh that i mean i'd heard rumors i'd heard murmurings of such a thing before i binge watched it and then i did and i was like mm-hmm. yeah no i wasted that time could just listen to the rumors and then what i found on spotify was a playlist that had all the songs in chronological order as they were played throughout the series and that really mm. appealed to my ocd in particular and i was like <laughs> yes they're all in one place and they're all in the right order so that i ended up listening to a fair hefty chunk of that a few times over by the looks of it <laughs> i don't have good luck with this wrapped i think in 2019 my most listened to artist was ariana grande and again i don't like i i've never seen her in concert i don't own any of her albums <laughs> over like I, I wouldn't call myself a massive fan but that's what happened so this is yeah like in fairness, she has got some tunes like in fairness i will give her that she but. has some cracking tunes like she is absolutely showing your age there by going straight for that when it comes to ariana grande like 2013 <laughs> yeah well to be honest with you it's where my taste in music more is to my taste in music stopped far earlier than that i think you're stuck yeah. in 1977 long yeah. before you were born <laughs> The one thing about I will say about the Spotify Wrapped is like it does show you that these things know you better than you know yourself. Oh yeah, <laughs> because people who who know me would clearly identify my penchant for the pop rock scores. Yeah, and in my head, I'm like, I'm not that into them. Mm. But then I cycle through all of the musicals that I've been listening to, and then it's just like Wedding Singer, Rock of Ages, First Date. Whereas it legally blonde, it was like, yeah, I'm very predictable. The one that actually I had completely forgotten was the musical adaptation of My Favorite Year, which cool. is oh. a very, very nice musical. I'll have to talk about it more at length at, at some stage, but I can't find my top artist. I don't really understand these internet things. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the primary issue. And so I think just as the podcast will have to do in general is delegate that responsibility to keep tabs on all goings on on social media to you adam and you've been unearthing some attempts at musical composition online yeah i think i think cabin fever has certainly set in and i am proud to be the the reporter of all things youth related you know considering i'm the Mm. only host of the podcast who's not a senior citizen Wow. Holy <laughs> Speak up. What what was that? Come again. Let me put my ear trumpet in. You were saying, young man. I'm still not fully sure what mood means. I just I don't get it. I just don't get it. Especially it's- when it's spelled M E W D. Oh god. What? A- yeah. <laughs> it's a mood. That's a mood. Pokemon. I honestly, honestly cannot tell if you're being serious. That's how far I've gone. You heard it here first. <laughs> But um, the good people of TikTok have essentially in quarantine over the last number of months and weeks decided to take it upon themselves to write a musical adaptation for the stage of the Disney Pixar classic Ratatouille featuring um, Peter O'Toole. Yeah. 
Really, you know, I'm pretty sure he was dead by that time, was he not? No, Peter O'Toole is the Chris, the critic, critic oh, yeah. in Ratatouille. Anton Ego. What's his? Anton Ego, yeah. which I only know from the various um, attempts at songs and soliloquies that I've seen on TikTok of people putting themselves in the garb. I tell you, between my favorite year and uh, Ratatouille, Peter O'Toole is getting more of a reference in this <laughs> podcast than I anticipated before we started recording. Fantastic. But anyway, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but even Pixar themselves have tweeted out their support, maybe, or at least acknowledgement of the fact that this musical is attempting to be uh, written. So essentially, the jumping off point for this was someone out there wrote a song with the lyrics, Remy the Ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams. Which Remy, what? Like those are kind of the first lines, and essentially since then that has been rejected by what I would call the Ratatouille community. Clearly written by somebody who who saw the title and the premise and didn't watch the movie because they yeah. It, yeah. Remy was the Ratatouille. Like, <laughs> like that is kind of the pun at the center of the title of the film, but <laughs> it shows a devastating ignorance of the culinary arts and French. Right to be honest. Well, this is yeah. what happens when you put it in the hands of people who probably weren't born when it came out. Absolutely. So that is the terrifying bloody <laughs> clue what it's about at all. It's a cinematic masterpiece. Absolutely. It is. And even Pixar have tweeted out uh, a photo of Remy. A photo. I mean, he's not real, but uh, a still image <laughs> from the... <laughs> We, I, I think collectively everybody would have let you away with photo. Like <laughs> the, ped, the, the pedants are going to be emailing in to the oddcast at oddtheater.com. <laughs> it actually is only a photo if it's of a live being. Uh, I believe yeah. Mr. Trundle referred to a still image. Or a capture, as it might otherwise be known. You know, these people are out there and the cabin fever, if they're not out here writing Disney Pixar musicals, they are writing very strongly worded pedantic letters to niche interest podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I wish them well, these very creative people. But I feel like of all the large corporations out there who own entertainment IP, Disney are likely to be the least receptive to any of their interpretations and uh, suggestions. And I would say now there's a market for it. They will absolutely put it on stage, but they absolutely will not use any of their ideas. Or if they do, they will not credit them. They'll probably get Alan Menken in. I was just about to say, yeah, the real one of any <laughs> Disney musical. It has to, the music has to be done by Alan Menken. And considering, you know, we've talked about him before, the slate of things he has lined up, it'll be about 2035 by the time Alan Menken gets to it. If you want to contribute to the burgeoning musical theatre production that is Ratatouille the Musical, you can set up a TikTok account and make your own. Yes, hash of it. And just sign away all of your personal data. wow you did have to slip in some gdpr related comments there well we're all here talking about our spotify wrapped as well so it's not as if we have any (laughs) (laughs) yeah true true fair point speaking of being online one of the things i noticed is i was on the board gosh energy theater i have to give it its full title website recently and um the amount of things already up for 2021 is astounding especially considering that things are still a bit unpredictable i I know the guys in the dubiously titled operation warp speed in the states which is the public health body that has responsibility for rolling out the vaccine there is saying well they hope to get 70 percent coverage of the population by may most people seem to think that that's massively uh, ambitious but yeah Even if you assume that to be the case, there are a raft of shows slated to be on before that in the board, gosh, and a huge number around that time and afterwards. I'm just looking here. Heather's in April, Mm. The Addams Family in April, Chicago in June, School of Rock in June, Kiss Me Kate in August, Beauty and the Beast in July, just a load of shows. Yeah, heaps. But so so clearly, professional musical theater thinks that 2021 is going to be a big year. Yeah, I had tickets to Heather's for October, and I got a rescheduled date for April. And I I think that they have extra performances on or something. I 
I, I think there's like matinees midweek and stuff. To, so I think there's a reduced capacity at each show. Right. Now, okay. I could be completely imagining that. I should be clear that I haven't checked that. I, I'm going off my memory of an email I received about... But we'll put a disclaimer in the show description. <laughs> Another thing that's coming next April is Rebecca Storm, who we had as a guest. She has her yes. concert of yesterday when I was young. I think a lot of people will be looking forward to that and wish well. Absolutely. I think the one I'm most excited for is probably, is, ne- is it next September? Anything Goes. Mm. But, oh. it's got Me- but it's got Megan Mullally from like Will and yes. Grace in it. She's so <laughs> brilliant. Like, I'd be interested to see like how well she does. Although in fairness, I think she was in Young Frankenstein in the original Broadway mm. production of that. I think I've never heard her sing when she's not either being Karen Walker or a mm. variation thereon. So th- mm. <laughs> this would be interesting. But uh, that's that's a pretty big name now. In fairness, it's a very big name. Yeah, absolutely, it is a massive name to be attached to um, a touring production of a show. And there is, of course, another big name attached to another show that is coming to the board. Gosh, which is Kiss Me Kate, but it's being choreographed by Strictly Come Dancing's Oti Mabusi. Oh, we actually be quite keen to see what she does with that. Of course, the board. Gosh, Energy Theatre is not the only house that's going to be putting on a show in 2021 in January on the 16th in association with the Riverbank Arts Centre. The Odd Theatre Company will be doing a live streamed performance of the Jason Robert Brown musical The Last Five Years. And not only that, but it'll star the Oddcast's very own Daniel Ryan as Kathy, no, as Jamie, and Keelan Kilduff <laughs> as Kathy. Fantastic. Keen, when were you going to tell me? This is so exciting. <laughs> yeah. You see, I sent a letter. It must have gotten lost. I am. Um, shoot, shoot. And, and I ran out of credit and I couldn't call you. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Dan's gone all Hollywood since uh, since winning his Ames Award. He has an agent yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I must actually forward. I must forward. He her. insists that I contact him through an intermediary, which mm-hmm. has, to be honest, stymied progress quite a bit. <laughs> Look, Barbara, Barbara knows what to filter and what to pass on. She's a very, very, very smart lady. <laughs> well, frankly, she's right to filter me, but we are very excited to be putting it on. I mean, obviously, musical societies don't have the ability really to put on shows this season because of the restrictions and the aims adjudication scheme is off but nevertheless we really really wanted to do something during this season and i think the last five years is probably a unique or a uniquely suitable show to do insofar as it's only two people on stage those two people are on pretty much separately during Mm -hmm. the entirety of the show bar one or two points which we'll manage but it's just it's such fabulous music Mm. I think that's the thing. And and very, very funny and very, very touching. It's quite an incredible show and really kind of revolutionary in the way it tells its story because for anybody who doesn't know it, it's about, and I won't be spoiling anything <laughs> here by giving you the premise of it, it's about a relationship lasting five years that has ended. And while Jamie, or your story, Dan, mm. starts at the beginning of the relationship and where they meet and w- moves forward, Kathy's starts when the relationship has just ended and moves backwards to the start. It's a really, really fascinating way of telling the narrative. It's not the only musical that has has a, a weird time effect, but it's a probably- time warp in it. Yeah, no Rocky Harders as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a low joke, it is incredible. <laughs> Let that be a reminder that I'm never above a low joke. <laughs> I can't even remember what I was going to say now because that was so incredible. I assume you're going to reference something like Merrily We Roll yeah, Along. I was going to say, and I think my point I was going to make was that the last five years, mm. unlike Merrily We Roll Along, actually succeeds in telling the story in a in a non-linear fashion. I think Merrily We Roll Along, while it's musically beautiful, just does not work as a mm. backwards, at least in the original production. I'm not sure that it can't work. Well, Sondheim is hard enough, like the right way around. So when you when you when you put when you put it into rewind, it's like look. <laughs> All this suffice to say is that the last five years is not as complicated as as that show, though unfortunately it does not feature the time warp from Rocky Horror. It sadly doesn't, but it features many other excellent songs. Dan, are you excited? 
I can't wait. I'm I'm super excited just to like it's going to be crazy getting back on stage. This mm. has got to be like one of the longest chunks of time I've done off a stage in recent times. So definitely the 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 vocal cords and the you know just how to hold yourself when you're on stage that's they're, they're going to be a little bit rusty and it's it's going to be an interesting one because it's performing for cameras because it is fundamentally different performing in front of cameras that are set up for a broadcast production in the theater it's going to be kind of a, it's going to be like two sided on the one hand it's going to be very weird not having an audience there and the kind mm. of energy but also the the nervousness that comes with that you know and the nervousness that obviously the good kind of nervous that you feed off just focuses you a bit more you're like okay they're literally right there you have to you have to go out and nail it now it's going to be weird not having that but you know also i suppose then the, the, the opposite so kind of taking away that kind of pressure of having somebody right there but i suppose yeah you have to really think about how clearly you're delivering it down a camera it, getting your message across now is going to be even more difficult it's going to be really kind of focusing the mind Well, it is very exciting and we are very much looking forward to putting that on here at the Odd Theatre Company. If you want to know more about it, you can log on to the Odd Theatre Company's Facebook at Odd Theatre or Instagram at the same handle. Or if you want to buy tickets for the performance on the 16th of January, you can log on to riverbank.ie. They are priced at €15 per device. So look forward to seeing, uh, well, I was going to say look forward to seeing you, but we won't. (laughs) Look forward to feeling your presence. No, that's terrible. Um, Looking forward to you seeing us. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Got it eventually. Yeah. (laughs) And now to talk to somebody who knows an awful lot about the last five years. It's time to welcome our guest. Our guest on today's show is almost certainly one of the most talented actresses working in British musical theatre today, having appeared in roles as varied as Kathy Hyatt in the last five years at the Southwark Playhouse, Colo Colo Bird in Just So at the Barn Theatre, Kava in Fiddler on the Roof at the Grange Park Opera and BBC Proms, and Betty in Sunset Boulevard's UK tour. That is, of course, not to mention appearances as Clara in The Light and the Piazza's International Tour and Julie Jordan in Carousel at Eno's Coliseum. But more importantly than all of that, she's from Cork. Welcome to the show, Molly Lynch. <laughs> Thank you. That's very important to say. That's that's the most important very part of my biography. <laughs> well, I, I do have to say, having been born in the, the Bonds same in Cork myself <laughs> yeah same so i i have cork written on my passport so i i can at least claim dual citizenship <laughs> oh very good you're very lucky you're very blessed <laughs> usually when we're chatting on the show to people it's accompanied by a isn't a terrible everything so quiet on lockdown but quiet probably isn't what you have been on lockdown molly because you've had a, a number of projects in recent weeks so anybody who was tuning in to stream the theater was catching you in the last five years and i believe you had an evening in association with cork opera yes it's been it's been um it's been weirdly busy but also kind of like learning to operate in some sort of dystopia because i we ran the last five (laughs) years in a theater for for four weeks uh with perspex screens between everyone and masks on so you're there like singing and dancing and playing piano and people have like these masks covering their faces and you know, perspex between them and, and the people next to them and weird just getting used to performing to that and um and then streaming is such a weird thing like doing live live streaming you know uh I was in the park theater in London it was completely empty uh, besides the people who are in there helping me operate the show and so you finish a song everyone was laughing at me I finish a song and I go thank you <laughs> even though <laughs> no, one, no one was there I go ah, almost like a reflex yeah it was awful it was terrible and then I, and then I would go thank you um who am I saying thank you to uh I don't know <laughs> it was just weird <laughs> really weird so like definitely it's been the weirdest time to perform just the weirdest circumstances I'll never take a fully unmasked audience on socially distanced audience for granted ever again because it does change i would imagine 
how you perform because you don't have the audience there to grab energy from. You don't have a way to sort of attenuate the way you perform based on the reactions of the audience. You a little bit like driving blind in a way. Yeah, it's weird. And you know what the freakiest thing is, what happens, you know, so we all get like those pre-show nerves. The weirdest thing is mm. you, you still get them before you go live, but like your your brain is going, there is no one here. But your mind is going, there are <laughs> there are a hundred people watching you. And you're so like it's like um some weird like parallel universe thing that's happening in your brain. You're having to like make your conscious accept that there is loads of people watching you even though you're in an empty room it's really it's really freaky they should definitely do some sort of study on it because my i I like (laughs) they were like we're going live in two minutes and i felt the same way as i do like as i feel before i go on stage but there was no Mm. buddy there it was it's really weird was there any moments that you'd normally be relying on a bit of audience feedback for that you had to that there was kind of like a almost a gap you're like yeah i mean you know most musical theater songs that end with a button and it was like button and (laughs) silence <laughs> that's not what the musical theater is meant for like those like music it's made me realize musical theater is written for applause because everything builds up to the end and then it's like ah, nothing so that was awful and then like all the comedy stuff you know uh, any fun moment where there's supposed to be a laugh or whatever it was dead quiet so it was yeah. it's weird it's weird yeah, and I I've seen clips of Patty Lapone had had a, like some kind of a streaming concert recently as well. She had the exact same experience as you. So <laughs> yeah, she, she's something iconic, and she say something really funny when at the end of a song, she went, and that's the sound of no applause or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patty Lapone, it was brilliant. It was so good. You've been in London now for what about seven seven years? Is that yeah, right? I think close, seven years. Close yeah. in it. So yeah. Take me back to a simpler time, as it were. You started out your musical theatre journey in Cork's very own Cork School of Music. Yes, well, I, I, I have showbiz in my family. My both my grandparents, mm. my, my granddad Pat, my dad's dad was a pop singer. He had three number ones back in the seventies. Uh, he was a big showbander. Yeah, your your grandparents might might have oh, known wow. him. <laughs> Every time I say it, he, he was at Pat Lynch and the Air Chords, and uh, they had like three number one songs. They did the um, they nearly wow. did Eurovision, but uh, he was let down by Cork. Actually, it's a legendary story. He didn't get the twelve points from Cork back then. It was all the counties would send him points. But um, oh wow, God. <laughs> international song contest in Malta, and he was so I had like showbiz there and then my uh, other grandfather um on my mum's side was a kind of amateur opera singer as well as singing in bands so um I had that but then kind of skipped a generation my parents were like no thank you to to me (laughs) (laughs) in fact I think my dad was like because my dad had grown up with showbiz around him he really had like no Mm. romantic view of it he he knew like how he knew the reality of it and he knew that it meant you know dad's not home for christmas dad's got to move my my dad lived in he lived in dublin he lived in limerick he lived in cork he traveled a lot as a kid they were always uprooting so he was like i know what showbiz really means um but i was just obsessed with with uh music and i don't know how i got into musical theater exactly because i was i started like i was a bit of a classical musical nerd at the start and then got into a musical theater class in a stage school in Cork and then was like, no, I'm, I'm still better. I'm cause I'm a hopeless dancer and I'm really awkward at movement and just like awkward in general. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm definitely better as a music nerd. So I went into the music degree and mm. then, you know, with Keelan killed off, we started a musical society cause we were just obsessed. So yeah. we, we kind of forced musical theater upon the classical music heads. We got a lot of, we got a lot of stick for it as well. It was a lot of snobs that were like, you know, saying, you know, it wasn't mm. a good thing to do, but, um, we persisted and it was, it was great fun in the end. And it was a really good way of keeping the training in musical theater alongside studying classical music. So it was really good for us. And obviously at some point towards the end of your education music, you were starting to decide that, well, of all of the various things that I can do with this music training, I'm going to take a, a performance direction. I mean, was there any kind of light bulb moment where you said, I'm going to try this out, I'm, I'm going to try and go professionally and and move to London and, and really take a shot at it? Or was it a gradual process? I think it was probably gradual. I, I did a semi-professional version of Sweeney Todd and I played Joanna and that was, I, getting that part for me was like a real, oh, maybe I can do this moment because to be honest, mm. I didn't really know if I could actually 
do it because it's really hard to know when you're in Ireland if you're up to the same standard as like London's like this other place that you think okay everyone there yeah. is amazing and I could never compare so um it was a slow process I did Sweeney Todd I was like okay maybe I could like do this uh, not sure and then I did My Fair Lady with Killarney Musical Society like I went I used to travel to Kerry uh, I think a few times a week uh, on the bus and did Eliza Doodle on that and I was like maybe I could do this and I remember John O'Connor who was the head of our department in School of Music I think I was in the, I still remember I was in the bistro in, in Cork School of Music um he passed me he went I think you could maybe make a living from this Molly and I was like I think that's as good as it gets for someone saying I might be yeah. maybe make a living and um, so then I auditioned for NYMT which was kind of National Youth Music Theatre over here which was my first time auditioning in London first time being with all London directors and kids who were in drama school and it was a good kind of opportunity for me to see how I how I leveled with them and then I kind of that gave me the confidence then to audition for drama schools after that yeah you got to see hang on a second I'm not just a big fish in a little pond here I actually I can rub shoulders with the <laughs> yeah it's so weird you know because like I wasn't even a big fish in Ireland at all like I I was I, I <laughs> you can tell I'm a bit of a nerdy like geek so I was like just quietly like doing my thing and really really obsessed with it and then you know I actually think when I went away I became more of a big fish at home because they were like oh you know she actually can do that all right <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah it's weird it's 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 such a weird jump to go from Ireland over here but uh I certainly wasn't looking at Newbridge Musical Society and all the Killarney Musical Society and all. I remember thinking like, oh, like I'm, I'm not one of them at all. Like I, oh, that's not, I can't do that at all. I never went to like got involved in musical societies. They seemed like this foreign, like professional thing to me. Yeah. So it was, it, I, that's why I had no bearing on, on if I was any good or not. So trying to find, trying to figure that out actually is the hardest thing. <laughs> I tried to figure out if you're good enough. <laughs> And then deciding to move to London is obviously a big gamble for anybody in that game because, you know, you're you're staking a, a lot of things, money, time, and all the rest of it. At what point when you went over did you get a sense that, well, maybe I'm on the right track over here or I'm starting to get a little bit of momentum? I mean, what were the kind of the early things that gave you an indication of that? Well, I think in, I did one year masters and I think I I got an agent from my first showcase show. Mm. And I think the first time I, I did my first audition for Les Mis and audition for Phantom and auditions for, and I started getting far in the process. That was kind of giving me some sort of confidence, but for a long time, I mean, for like, I think almost like uh maybe like nine ten months I was getting to finals for everything and just missing out to the point where when I finally got like the first big job I got was Hava and Fiddler on the Roof for Grange Park and BBC Proms and I remember my dream you know we were wondering when this was going to happen we were starting to like lose faith you know like we're like <laughs> basically like we were nearly going to drop you <laughs> you just <laughs> like, your time was nearly up and you just about got it so yeah I think again it's one of those really gradual slow burning things there was no there wasn't mm. one thing that uh made me think okay now I've got it it was really really um really slow and steady and, and gradual yeah and even after you get your first big show I, I remember thinking then that's it now that's it now I've done one big massive show I've five five Bryn Turville backstage at the Royal Opera Hall I'm gonna I'm gonna be fine <laughs> and you get loads more rejections and you do oh god it doesn't even mean anything once you've got one show under your I mean it means something but it by no means like sets you up on an automatic journey through incredible shows I always had in my head it would be like some overnight big break thing but it's definitely <laughs> definitely not it's definitely the slowest most painful process that you can imagine <laughs> but it's worth it it's worth it but it's slow and when you get to the final round and and then obviously like you're saying like you know the first few times that it doesn't you, you didn't get it do they come back with like helpful criticism do they come back with anything at all or is it just a no and yeah you're left wondering I remember being obsessed when I first started I was like get, can I get feedback can I get feedback what's my feedback you know and nowadays I'm like I don't care what my feedback is don't tell me <laughs> but the, <laughs> I was obsessed with it and I think the feedback I got I remember the first big job I was in finals for and the feedback was she's too green which I was like <laughs> That's is that against my Irishness or what's going on with that? But it was <laughs> <laughs> I was too the other girl had more experience and under her belt and just mm. a bit more um and that's another thing that's really hard because obviously 
Oh God. Did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, let me just check. Colin? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. What was that? Uh, the my the picture dad got me. No. Oh, oh my God. Sorry. I've got a Judy Dench portrait in my hallway. I think I just fell off the wall. And it's not my granddad. Did, my, did granddad fall, Colin? Yeah. Oh my God. I was talking about my granddad and he fell. He's listening. He's listening. He is listening. That's a picture of my granddad in the, in the hallway that just fell down. That is so weird. Sorry. Weird. Take that, Judy. I know. <laughs> Judy and my granddad have both fallen on the ground together. I'm yeah. really tempted to actually leave that in the edit. Actually, <laughs> that's not, that's staying in. The full thing. Very what you want can say is if the painting fell at the mansion, what happens if it gets cut out? So I think for the good of everyone's yeah. health, mm. that should stay in the podcast. I know, like, mm. My granddad might haunt us. I think my granddad probably yeah. Yeah. definitely very showbiz. I think he wanted a mention in a podcast, so maybe yeah. that was what it was. Well, I what an en- what an entrance in fairness, like yeah. that's what an entrance. That is so what an entrance, funny. and it's a shame Cork didn't give you the points. Yeah, God. <laughs> I'll be angry about that. Actually. I I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a fix. It's a fix anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's mental. But yeah, so I was, I was too, I was too green. Was my first feedback. So the feedback can be. I mean, sometimes you think it can be constructive, and I know people always get really mm. obsessed of what their feedback from auditions are. But I've gotten to the point mm. where I just let it go. I don't, I don't want to know. It's usually <laughs> something really awful, like oh she just was mm, a bit too short or she her voice wasn't the exact tone we wanted it basically doesn't they just find someone they prefer than you do you know and you just kind of have to go mm. okay i accept that because someday you'll be the person they prefer and you know they can't most of the time they they'll i think sometimes they even just make it up for the sake of it i think most of the time it's just the other person was better we preferred her do you know so yeah. but at the start it was very intense about finding out feedback and i remember that being that i was too green being one of the things but uh it doesn't doesn't actually mean as much to me now as it did back then. It obviously is a fiercely difficult thing, given the number of people who are working or trying to work in professional theatre in London. I mean, we had Rebecca Storm in the podcast recently, and one of the things she said in talking to anybody who might be considering getting into the industry is that versus when she got into it in the early 1980s, it's just phenomenally, phenomenally competitive with the sheer numbers of people mm-hmm. who are uh, auditioning. I mean, is that your experience, just turning up to auditions and, I mean, hundreds of would-be applicants? Yeah, do you know what? I, it's a really tricky one for me, that, because there's one half of me that wants to tell, you know, if I meet someone who's, like, 18 and they're thinking of going and studying, mm. there's one half of me that wants to be like, oh, are you sure? It's really hard. And, you know, you might spend mm. six years trying to do it and it might not work out. But then there's the other half of me that is like, God, when I was 18, and if I asked someone, should I do this? And with my talent, the way I was when I was 18, the way I, I, I held myself, the way I sang, they would have said, you cannot do this. You know, I would have been the person to have been discouraged, you know, because I did not yeah. have the confidence, the ability, but I did it anyway because I was just so obsessed. So I think if someone wants to do it, it, it kind of doesn't matter. Like they just, you just push through. Like I, you know, you think how unlikely it is for someone like me to get into drama school, then how unlikely it is to you need to get an agent and then you need to get cast in something. And I never feel I have the right to tell someone it's too hard, but it is too hard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the two truths exist at the same time. They really, really do. And it is so hard but you can't tell someone who has a big dream not to do it because it's just it's just there so I I know I know I would have been advised to run a mile I think my dad asked John O'Connor again at the School of Music on on the open day when I first went he said "Uh, can she really make a career now as a singer and he was like basically like no (laughs) <laughs> she can't like <laughs> so, you know like it's it's you know the two two the two truths i think are are there um and it ha- it is getting more competitive and it's it's so i mean it's so wrapped up in money and class and mm. you know who can afford to go to drama school who there's a lot of snobbery with musical theater you know if you do musical theater you're not considered a good actor for tv or plays and there's all these other things at play that i don't think were as bad before it is super super tricky and and the sheer volume of training programs even now like versus probably mm. when uh, Rebecca was doing stuff is just monument like there's so many more ways to train so many yeah. courses um yeah so it's is that part of it I mean just how specialized training and education has become I mean 
back in the day, you would have gone to Guildford or Rada and you would have done an acting training course and, and that was it. And if you happened to be able to sing a little bit, you went and maybe did some musical theater shows. But now you're looking at places with, you know, even four year taught programs specifically in musical theater, which never would have existed before. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, even the the quality of training has gotten so competitive and so high within I, I've taught in um, different drama schools and they get such like such brilliant education and exposure to the industry. And, but then there's some drama schools who like are so high, high up that they can bring in agents and they can hook their students up with agents directly. And then you've got other training programs mm. that can't do that. Yeah. And there's just so, there's just so many of them. There's just so many. And like you said, uh, all specializing in musical theater, like weirdly I did my master's in music theater. So I actually don't have any qualification in musical theater. <laughs> I did it in music <laughs> theater because, um, which I'd like to say to protect myself because I am definitely not Peggy in 42nd street or like I'm a bit of a weird musical theater person. I don't, I can't do the, you know, I can't kick my leg high and do triple pirouettes, but, um, you know, so you, you can, it all just, just depends on where you train and what your speciality is and then getting super lucky to work in that area. Do you think that the rejection is probably the hardest part of it or is there other parts of it that are actually more difficult once you get used to being told no 10 times out of 11? Do you know what's so interesting? The thing that I, I wish someone had said to me before was like, I was, I was kind of ready for the rejection. Like I, they all in drama school, it's a lot of like, get ready for rejection, get ready for rejection. And I had so much rejection at the start and still do, but like at the start I had nothing but rejection. So I kind of had to pull, that's the hardest when you're starting off and you've got no kind of, at least now if I get a no, I can go, yeah, well, I still did this. So, you know, but (laughs) then you're like, I've got nothing. So maybe I am just terrible. Um, the thing I wasn't prepared for was how success doesn't make you feel amazing always. Like I thought mm. that if I got to the West End, that would put me on cloud nine for the rest of my life and everything else would be solved. Do you know, I really, it was because it was <laughs> that idealistic dream and it was kind of, and then you have that fairy tale moment and you're backstage and you're, you're on the stage and there's a thousand people there and it's very overwhelming and very like so cool and then you got to get the bus home, you know, <laughs> you like, <laughs> it's just like you people, you don't, you're not prepared really for like the weird, the weirdness of that success, you know, like doing something amazing, like uh, some amazing show. And then afterwards getting really awkward in the bar because you can't, you're really awkward socially with this really famous person that you've looked up to for years. And you're like, oh, this is really stressful. I don't know what to say. You know, all these like weird <laughs> things that you just like don't think of that can make you feel sad simultaneously to the like incredible experiences you have and especially Mm. when I came over here I was I was really green and I you know my first job that I worked with everyone in the cast was so experienced and I remember feeling like a complete outsider like I did not get the banter I couldn't go to the I was like they're going to the pub after rehearsals oh my god I have to mind my voice like I was like who does that how can they do that you know these professionals mm-hmm. that are going onto the Coliseum stage how can they how can they have a night out and then come into rehearsals the next day I was like just like couldn't comprehend I, I was like wrapping myself in cotton wool until the rehearsal day and then back in cotton wool and then back because you know these people were like I'm going for a run and they had like I remember the first day of rehearsals for Sweeney Todd which was my first day of rehearsals for anything professional in London and it was an ensemble rehearsal but Emma Thompson decided to come to just say hi to us and to be there and I blew up in my brain like i fully malfunctioned as a human being. Like I was in rehearsals, reading my sheet music. Emma Thompson was like three seats down from me. And this is someone like from the from Cork, from middle of like the suburb in Ireland. And I'm now in a rehearsal room with Emma Thompson for the English National Opera. And I remember it came home and I fully passed out. Like I actually like went on my bed and shook. Like the, it's like the, my adrenaline went out of control like I couldn't believe it so I just think those kind of moments where the the kind of amazing moments the weird kind of feelings they bring before and after them and how you still need to look after the small things in your life to keep yourself happy you know there's nothing that can compensate for looking after your relationships and looking caring about your family and caring about your home and I think that was the thing I wasn't ready for a lot of a lot of preparing for uh, failure but I think preparing for success as well is, is actually quite important 
yeah to try and get over that imposter syndrome you were kind of describing of like I don't belong here yeah totally (laughs) absolutely it's still there it's still there by the way it's still it's still really (laughs) strong really strong but I'm I'm used to now I think I was the shock of it at the start the shock of the imposter syndrome like what is this going over my body but yeah (laughs) terrible you mentioned Emma Thompson there but you've done an awful lot of really really interesting shows and and obviously worked with an awful lot of incredibly talented people if you were just to to pick out a couple of people that you feel that you've really looked up to or gained something from working with them on stage you know who would they be well before you know when I was studying and Keelan would know this like when we were in doing our uh, music degree Renee Fleming was like a massive idol of mine and I had a biography and I would keep it by my bed and I would fold down the pages where you know my favorite things she said and I would underline things and I was like really obsessed with the biography and and I was kind of you know fancied myself as a bit of a classical singer so you know I thought maybe like I'd be like Renee Fleming in 10 years I still love musical theater but there was a part of me that like loved the romance of doing opera and the, that kind of stuff so she was a massive idol of mine and then to go and play her daughter in a show was just amazing and to see her work like that was I was glad that happened later in my career because I think like I would have fully malfunctioned if that had happened early on you know (laughs) I would have like started twitching and like they'd have to put me in a straitjacket but I think um she seeing someone like her her caliber who's just like this international super famous like she's best friends with Michelle Obama like she's also like ridiculously smart she runs um talks on music and therapy and music and medicine like just this well-rounded intelligent amazing woman and to watch her in a rehearsal room and go like you know the most basic things of like when does she take a sip of water and and how does she talk to the director and how does she um take a note and how does she uh you know change her technique when she feels like she wants to mm. sing something a bit differently so that was probably one of the most exciting things and Bryn Turfa was kind of similar as well because I looked up to Bryn I watched him in the BBC proms so much um and then to get to do to do the BBC proms with him was amazing and the thing I learned from the two of them really was they're both really really chilled people like they're both they just they have really good control over their energy so the opposite of me <laughs> but they've got really good control <laughs> over their I think they must I think they must have just gotten used to life demanding high adrenaline bursts from them so they just feel very zen and very in control um but they both mm. are you know you know older so they have they have the years experience i know they've all got they've both gone through their struggle in the business but watching i'd say yeah renee um alex jennings who um was in like the piazza who's in the crown who was an incredible actor and watching his process was really cool loads of loads of people and then even just like people ensemble members of their very first job watching the ensemble members I just like had to copy everything they did I learned so much from them you know yeah you just you have to be like a sponge and soak it all up I think and obviously talking about um with with Renee Fleming and and just some of the shows that you've been on you've had a very nice mix I think of some pieces like Light in the Piazza for example it's one of my absolute favorite shows but oh, probably a lesser yeah love it and it's one of those lesser known titles um mm-hmm. and, and the mu- adam gutell's music is it's just absolutely fabulous stuff but you look at some ones like that the last five years just so th- things that are probably a bit on the i would say edgier side musically a bit in more interesting musically and then obviously at the same time you've done a lot of those staple pieces like fiddler on the roof for example carousel is there do you have do you have preferences when you're you're looking at well what what you might like to do next or are you kind of do you consciously seek out one or another or is it just you know wh- wherever you're at in your head at the moment you go that looks like an exciting project project yeah. and I'd love to do it. I think at the start uh, I would have taken second tree to the left in into the woods do you know like I I would have done anything. <laughs> um yeah. I think uh now I'm a bit more you know, I'm, I'm a bit more, I've, and I've learned again from people, you know, I remember being in my, my second job and I was going and I was playing, uh, not a lead, lead role, but I was, a I was, you know, a leadish role, let's call it. And I remember saying, oh, I've got an audition for this ensemble thing tomorrow. And they turned to me and went, no, you cannot go for that. You are a lead character right now. You can't go and audition for ensemble. And I was like, what? So you kind of learn those weird, um, again, it's about trying to figure out, you know, am I any good? Am I good enough now to demand a certain level or am I, 
Uh, is it okay that I don't want to do that show now? So in the last few years, I there's been things that will come in and I'll go, do you know what? I actually don't like that show. So I'm not going to go for it. Whereas before I would have been like, I don't care. I'm doing that show. I just need a part. I just mm. need a job. But um, I think as you get older, you kind of, you can be a bit more selective. As I said, you've you've just finished up the last five years. We're obviously in a pretty weird time. Nobody really expects things to get back to normal until the middle of next year. What plans are there there for for 2021, if any? Have you anything coming up on the horizon or or things you would like to do? Um, well, it's so weird because uh, before this all happened, I was doing the last five years and I had two really amazing jobs lined up, which obviously got, got pulled, but one of which would have meant I would have been employed for a year. Um, and uh, I think it's left, and I think a lot of us performers now are in this place where no one's really planning anything for next year. Mm. There's very few auditions happening because everyone's too scared to um, uh, commit to anything. So I, mm. I'm hopefully going back to do Sunset. I even like, even though I'm going to do this in a week, I'm still scared saying it out loud because it could <laughs> yeah. be a <laughs> But I'm supposed to be going back to do Sunset, which hopefully you guys will be able to stream. But um, that I'm hopefully going back to that in a week. It just goes to show though how fragile the industry is at the moment that like there's it's so delicate. Like it could it should just could just be cancelled tomorrow. So next year is totally like a complete mystery really to me. Um I I have no idea. I have no idea if the things I was supposed to do might come back around again. Um the last five years might have another life. There's those little possibilities, but I'm not I'm not getting invested in any of them. Um just because it's such a weird, weird time, which is kind of sad um, and also really sobering and humbling because, you know, you think, oh, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And then, you know, it's actually really grounding to be like, well, you'll see. Let's see. You might be, you yeah. might be teaching some little kids how to sing their Doremis or you might be, you know, on a massive <laughs> stage. We'll see. So, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? And just on that last five years thing, I mean, if anybody, I, I don't know, has happened to be doing it sometime soon, um, would you have any advice for that? <laughs> oh, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. What, what, what can I say? Um, well, so, so tell me who's, so Daniel's playing Jamie. Yeah. And who's directing? I am. Oh my God. Okay. Amazing. And, and Adam, are you, do you have a part? You would be surprised to learn I'm not, in fact, playing Kathy. Damn it. I was going to say, that's a really interesting choice. No, <laughs> he is playing Kathy. Who is playing Kathy? Yes. I think Keelan would be upset to, to hear that she's oh been recast. God, she's been recast, yeah. That is so cool, Keelan. I think you'd make Kathy. a beautiful Kathy, Adam. I, just... I think so too, Adam. We won't, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's amazing, Keelan's doing Kathy. She'll sing that so beautifully. Um, it's uh, advice for the last five years. It's a freaking marathon of a show, like... Mm. I don't know what way you're staging it, but when we staged it, we didn't leave the stage. So um, I think in some ways that made it kind of easier because we, once you start, you didn't get off the train. I think sometimes when people go off and on, it's actually harder. But um, I, I would say just don't be, don't be terrified. It's, it, you'll be surprised how much the music gets into your voice, like a muscle, gets into muscle memory. And you kind of, I did not think I'd be able to do that show eight times a week. I, I really, really didn't think I could do that. But um, your voice is more reliable than you think and it's more uh resilient and um yeah what what do you think daniel is there any any question that you want to ask are you because we I, I know so many nerdy facts about the last five years now so you can pick my brain on anything well it's a good thing that you said that the music gets in because about two weeks ago i had an absolute panic attack i was like oh my god i don't know any of it i can't none of it's sticking it doesn't go in yeah so i actually like binge listen to it and i was like i oh, know we're getting there now there's still a few dodgy moments but we're getting we're much much clearer but issue about two weeks ago i was like this is a man this is a beast of a show i can't do it what yeah. are we talking about yeah this is insanity who thought this was a good idea <laughs> but um but i suppose my my burning question with the last five years in general so i've, I've i obviously saw your fantastic production i watched it on stream theater oh, i you. saw the movie version of it mm -hmm. which was grand mm -hmm. i have listened <laughs> to and i've listened to both the original off broadway and then i think the revival one they did maybe about six or seven years ago i i have to ask like for me it's entirely his fault mm -hmm. do you agree <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 well i think i firstly was of the opinion she wasn't to blame as much as Jamie was I think the thing about it is that like yeah Jamie Jamie is flawed 
and Jamie gets success really early and it does something to him. But Kathy is is flawed too. I don't think her flaws contribute to the ruining of the relationship as much as his his flaws do. And I think, you know, I remember I I'd love I'd love um I wish Ollie was here now who played Jamie, but he I remember when we were doing um a miracle would happen. You know that song, hmm. probably because it's so hard. There's that weird bar in it where it's like, um, uh, sort of. Of course, I sort of was, and it was just a really tricky kind. Yeah, of, oh yeah. You probably know. Um, and uh, he got really upset. He was like, he nearly started crying in rehearsals. He was like, I, I can't say it. this is awful. Like these things he's saying are just, just awful. He's being so horrible. And our director was like, well, we just have to accept that this is a time in his life where you he was a dick. You know, he did. He was, and you kind of have to accept him as a whole human, you know, because it is really easy to just, I think, paint him as a bad guy and Kathy as the good, the good, you know, good versus bad. But I think if you can make Kathy a little, really obviously, um, I thought I played Kathy quite annoyingly. <laughs> so I thought, you know, like, <laughs> there's parts of her that are, you know, a bit too clingy. There's parts of her that are a bit too obsessive or, uh, you know, She's definitely got um, issues, but uh, I think just really owning the fact that Jamie is a dick, really. Like, not trying to, I think, I think not trying to, like, you know, make him a good guy in any way. I think accepting that also good people do really bad things, shitty things, and it's just, you know, something that happens. So just because he does acts that way, he's very young. Uh, you never know he could have you know he could have got to 30 and got him to join the priesthood you know we don't know what he what he does later so it's kind of one section of his life yeah. i think where he he does act like a dick and um i think i don't think anyone should like deny that or shy away from it uh but just think of him as a whole whole human really i, I think i think but i totally know what you mean mm. i totally know what you mean yeah it's funny myself myself and ali are on the same page i've already started i've i've been quoting lines of it to the family around the house mm-hmm. and i've been like is is that a, is that a, is he trying to be nice or is he being a dick? What, what what do we think? I know um, it, we're getting it's very divisive. We're having very differing opinions on it, but it, it's good to know. Do you think you can own being a dick? It'll <laughs> if be, I know that, it'll be it'll, yeah. Yeah. anyone who knows me will know that that won't be a struggle. So you <laughs> can do it. Yeah, you know, when he says when he says, um, "I will not lose," I will not lose because you can't win. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. it, yeah. it was so good in our, in our production that I was able to play these chords after he said that because I would play them so angrily. Like I think, <laughs> I think that would be something like that. I, I, I found that was good about um, our process for you guys when you're doing it. That if you can give the other character power while the other character is singing in some shape or form, like my, I was actually there, so I wasn't this kind of distant thing that didn't matter. I was there judging mm. him. And I got to hit that Schubert bell, and I got to really have an opinion about um, what he was doing. So I think if you can, um, you know, not keep them completely oblivious to each other in some way, uh, there's kind of power to be found in that as well. Do you have a dream part, Molly? Is there a role that you like absolutely have on your bucket list as your go-to? Um, I I don't really, but I think probably <laughs> I do kind of. I think um, probably <laughs> uh, Dot in Sunday in the Park with George. Oh I'm yeah! With that. Wow! With that, <laughs> and um, also Faye in Anyone Can Whistle, which is like no one does that show. Sondheim musical um mm. but it's so good and the lead character is a nurse female i think and i hope i'm not getting all of this wrong but i've sang some of the songs from the show before and it's just a brilliant really good part um basically anything sondheim i'm obsessed with um <laughs> and yeah. rogers and hammerstein obsessed with so uh yeah yeah probably those if i if you had to push me well, uh, we'll just have to look out for you in in one or two of those in in the coming years, Molly. Thank you very much for chatting with all. us today. My pleasure, and uh, hope it won't be long again. Yeah, and best of luck with best of luck with the last five years. Thanks, Emil. Be a dick, Daniel. Be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant best, note. To end best it on. note. The best note I could get. <laughs> so there you are, Dan. There are a few tips for the mm-hmm. last five years. For you. Been making notes all the way through. <laughs> Let it never be said that the show doesn't provide you with an education. This is true. We'll be expecting you to do your homework over the Christmas period. Also, just want to give a shout out to Laura Kylie, who um dropped us a message over the last couple of weeks about Save the Arts video that she's done on her page. 
rather funny and includes a lot of musical theater tunes. So I'd encourage you all to check that out on Insta. And of course, you can get in touch with us by email at theoddcast at oddtheater.com, at Facebook or Instagram at the Oddcast by Odd Theater, and even Twitter at the Oddcast by Odd. Well, that wraps it up for today's show. Thank you very much for listening. And we will be back in two weeks' time with another episode chock full of musical theatre, news, opinion, fun and frolics. But until then, stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs>